You're listening to episode number 16 of Strike the Match. In this episode, I talk about my forthcoming book, To the Edge, Reflections on Kingdom Leadership, Mission, and Innovation. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with pastor and missiologist, Dr. J.D. Payne. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. Thank you guys for checking out this episode of Strike the Match. And for those of you that are returning, welcome back. And for those of you that this is your first time listening, I hope that you will subscribe and will be a regular listener uh, of this uh, podcast uh, that I put out uh, each week. Today has been a long time coming. I have been looking forward to sharing this podcast with you uh, for some time now, and now that it is out and about, I am delighted. I uh, wanted to give you guys uh, some information related to the contents of my book that is about to be released, uh, Lord willing, this summer, uh, titled uh, To the Edge, uh, Reflections on Kingdom Leadership, Mission, and Innovation. And uh, at the same time, I want to kind of give you guys a little bit of the story behind the music and let you guys kind of know a little bit how I came to uh, put this book together. And um, uh, my hope is that it will create an interest in you and that you'll get a copy. You will uh, take time to, to mark your copy up and that you will share your copy with someone else or that you will buy uh, copies for others that are a part of your leadership team, members of your church, and you will, you will work through uh, this book together and use it as an opportunity uh, to discuss uh, particular matters uh, that are related to to change and movement, uh, kingdom expansion uh, for your church, for your ministry, for for the context to where the Lord has has called you to serve. So, uh, with that in mind, uh, just to kind of give you guys a heads up, Lord willing, uh, as I mentioned just a second ago, uh, it looks like within the next uh, little bit, the uh, book will be will be officially released. Um, this is a book that I am self-publishing. It's actually a third book uh, that I have self-published. Uh, I've worked with um, major uh, publishing houses uh, on uh, most of my most of my books that I've written over the years. In fact, I, I have another book, uh, Lord Willing, that will be out later this year uh, that I'm excited about, and I'll uh, share more about that with you later on. But doing that with InterVarsity Press, uh, it's called Apostolic Church Planting. Uh, but but this particular book, To the Edge, uh, is uh, is a book that I felt like that that I uh, I should I should self publish, and part of the reason why uh, I believe that that was the case uh, is because uh, it's it's a unique book. Uh, in fact, it is it is unlike any of my other books that I have written uh, over over the years, and uh, not only is it uh, d- different in in writing style, uh, it's also different in the way that I've organized the book, the way I've structured the book, and so so the book is is um, is is very much written in, in more of a, a minimalistic kind of writing style. Uh, it's um, uh, written in a very informal uh, kind of kind of approach. Uh, the book, instead of having uh, regular chapters, uh, what I've done is I, I have created uh, this book to to have three main sections. 
a section dealing with kingdom leadership, a section dealing with uh, mission, a section dealing with with innovation, and they all they all pull together, uh, are all or excuse me, are all pulled together by by a great commission thread and and you know in our stewardship of what it means to be kingdom citizens in light of a world of change and a light of change that's facing uh, our organizations, our churches, our uh, institutions. And and so uh, it really doesn't have it doesn't really doesn't have chapters. It's it's more divided up into three sections, and each section contains uh, a, a collection uh, of my ideas, my thoughts related to the particular topic of that particular particular section. So uh, a good number of of any of the components that you uh, would find in this book could also just be standalone components as well, but but they're, they do have a continuity between them, uh, so therefore everything that's taking place obviously in the section on kingdom leadership is dealing with leadership issues and things related to missions and the in that second category and innovation and third category. Um, the rough draft that I'm holding in my hand right now is uh, 178 pages uh, in length. So, so you know, full-length work, uh, really packed with a lot, uh, a lot of really good and exciting, exciting material uh, that is there. Um, let me kind of share with you guys a little bit about, about kind of the, the why behind this book. And uh, and I'll unpack some more uh, with you guys in just a few moments. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna read an excerpt from from this work, uh, and I hope that uh, hope that you'll you'll enjoy that. So so this book, um, the the thing that I have observed over the years, um, uh, twenty years particularly connected to local church ministry, mission agency ministry, uh, seminary professor ministry, um, is that. You know, we we don't like change. We really don't. I know we joke about that from time to time about conflict that arises in in churches over you know changing the color of carpet. Um, but you know, the reality is is that uh, for the most part, we do not enjoy change within the church. We we don't we typically don't like that. And and I and I I feel that that is an unhealthy attitude, an unhealthy. Um, uh, way of thinking. Uh, now, not not all change is good, of course, um, but but the reality is is that I believe that when we look through the scriptures, that rather than be repulsed, run from, try to stay as far away as possible, dread change, that that we should actually, as kingdom citizens, we should actually expect change. And, and really, we should embrace it. And, and there are a multitude of reasons why I think we should expect change, but let me share with you guys just a couple, uh, just right off the top of my, my, my head at, at this moment. The first thing is, is that when we go to Matthew chapter 16, uh, we see Jesus and we see his, uh, his disciples, the apostles there at Caesarea Philippi. And it's in that context that, that Peter makes that great confession, that great declaration of faith, uh, that, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what follows that passage is, is a passage that we have heard many, many times, and that is there in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says, I will build my church. And we, we've taught from that, we've heard that passage, and, and, and we, 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 yes, we know Jesus is building his church, the gates of Hades will not prevail against it, and, and we, we've, we've unpacked that, and we, we've, we've, we've you know, stretched our minds over that many, many times. But I think what we have failed to grasp 
what we failed to grasp within that theological teaching on both Christology and, and ecclesiology and, and I would say also soteriology because the way that Jesus builds his church is through disciples being made, in other words, uh, by people making that great kingdom confession that Peter just made just a verse prior to that, is, is that in this text we fail to recognize that if Jesus is indeed building his church, then change is going to happen. Uh, in other words, it's, it's expected. He, he has told us that it's going to happen. We should expect it, and we should adjust ourselves, just our lives, just our ministries, just our structures, and adjust our organization accordingly. There is a, a section of road uh, that is between my home and, uh, and my, my office, uh, Highway 119 here in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, for those of you that are aware of the area. Uh, Highway 119 between where I live and uh, the church's office is, uh, is presently uh, in a section under uh, some various, well, let's say it this way, it's, it's right beside a, a massive construction process, if you will, um, and and what's taking place? Well, they're you know they're grading the land. Uh, they are marking off areas. They're cutting down trees. They're 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 putting up buildings. Uh, and of course, it's it's a it's a traffic you know nightmare and traffic congestion. But you, you know just on something like that, just on a construction side, I've been watching that work uh, that's been happening as I go to and from my office uh, each day, and and for months now, uh, for for a lengthy period of time. You would drive by, and, and each day something would be a little bit different. Uh, today, there would be trees there. Tomorrow, the trees would be down. Uh, this week, uh, there would be grass there. Next week, uh, the grass would be plowed over. Uh, you would see water lines going in. You would see uh, concrete slabs being poured. Uh, all kinds of. In other words, as time progressed on on the building of the the you know the things that are taking place on this side of land, this piece of property, things are changing. And, and we shouldn't expect anything less when, when, we, when we look at the world around us and building is happening. I mean, it's, it's just, I mean, just a reality. If you're going to build, things are going to change. So, so we've got to keep that in mind as followers of Jesus, that if Jesus is indeed building his church through the advancement of the gospel, as, as binding and loosening is taking place, according to what we read there in Matthew chapter 16, we've got to understand that, that change is, is, is coming, change should be expected, and we should adjust accordingly. Uh, the second big theological component connected to this, so, so not only is there sort of this Christological element, this soteriological and ecclesiological aspect related to, to change, and the fact that we should be prepared for it, expect it, and embrace it, but there's another major component to this issue related to change in, in God's world, and that is when we, when we look just a little bit farther in the, uh, in the New Testament, and we come to that all-familiar passage of Acts chapter 1. Uh, Jesus had already promised uh, you know, his Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1. Uh, we, we see the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy uh, that the Holy Spirit is poured out now upon uh, Christ's followers. And so there, the, the, the disciples are, are filled with the Spirit. And, and, and they're empowered to, to the work to which Jesus has called them to, uh, which is a work that is involving them going to bind and going to loose and to see Jesus build his church. So second thing is, is that if we, as followers of Christ, are indeed filled with the dynamic Holy Spirit, 
In other words, he's not static. He's active. That you know, he. You go back to Genesis chapter one, and you, and you see that the, you know the spirit is hovering. You know, is, is hovering over the the face of the deep. In other words, the spirit is an active, uh, actively involved in in the creation process, actively involved uh, throughout, uh, you know, God's working out of his plan of salvation history. Uh, if the Spirit is dynamic and active, and, and he is not just this, this static being that does nothing, if he's active, then we should expect change. And, and then we, we begin to flip farther throughout the book of Acts, just, just the book of Acts, and what do we see? We see as the gospel goes forth, as the dynamic Holy Spirit is empowering the followers of Christ to be about this process of Jesus building his church, what happens? Things begin to change. Now, obviously, with change, conflict comes sometimes. It came in Acts chapter 6 when the widows were you know, not receiving their proper food distribution. And uh, it comes uh, all throughout the book. It comes, uh, we see, as the gospel spreads across the, the Gentile world. Uh, Acts chapter 11, gospel gets to Antioch. Uh, Acts chapter 13 and 14, Paul, Barnabas on the first missionary journey. Uh, by the time we get to Acts chapter 15, what do we see? We see all of this concern about, indeed, who are these Gentiles, and are they really receiving this Holy Spirit? Uh, they haven't been circumcised. Uh, how are we going to have to deal with this? How, what does this mean? Do they need to be circumcised to be saved? Do they not need to be circumcised to be saved? You know, going back, you know, you know, Acts chapter 10, we see Peter there, you know, Cornelius' house. All this is coming together as a result of Jesus building his church through the working of his dynamic spirit, the dynamic spirit in, in, in the Trinity uh, that is a part of gospel advancement, kingdom advancement, change is happening. So, so with those two things in mind, uh, I feel that we overlook them many times when it comes to matters related to pastoral ministry, when it comes to matters related to, to our, our, our missionary activities, uh, when it comes to, to just life in general— ministry in general, that we fail to recognize that if Jesus is building his church and that if we're filled with the dynamic Holy Spirit, then 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 change should be expected. And so if change should be expected, then we must steward well the opportunities that are set before us when change happens, when change occurs. So this book, To the Edge, is a book that I have written to inspire, uh, to encourage you, to, to exhort you, to, to provoke you to good works, uh, to challenge you, to equip you in our Great Commission task. And it all revolves around the recognition that as we go, Jesus is going to build, His Holy Spirit is going to work, change is going to happen, change has been basically, you know, assumed if Jesus is building and the Holy Spirit is at work, and therefore we need to steward well those opportunities. We need to understand what does it mean to be a wise steward of, of issues on the, on the expansion of the kingdom? What does it mean to be a wise steward of innovation as the Spirit leads us to see the frontiers expand? The book is really unpacking a lot of, a lot of those ideas, those concepts, uh, wrapped around really three main areas, kingdom leadership, mission, and, and innovation. If you think about the idea, kind of the, the metaphor that I used to, you know, on the title of the book, you know, on the edge is, is where the kingdom expands. It's where kingdom expansion is happening. 
And for the most part, most of us don't want to be there. We, we, we do not want to be near the edge. We don't want to be anywhere around the edge because, because if you're near the edge, change is going to happen. The, the unexpected is, is there. The, the, the uncertainties are, are there. But, but here's the thing. We not only need to, to get to the edge where, where the kingdom expansion is happening, but we need to go beyond the edge and that's where it even becomes more uncertain. To be on the edge, we can, you know, we can recognize, okay, change is happening, that's uncertainty and things of that nature. But to be, to be beyond the edge is where we need to go to see the innovation of the Spirit taking place, to see, see the Lord's hand lead us and guide us as we totally rely upon Him, as we totally trust upon in, in Him, as we walk by faith, as we would not walk by, by sight. And so, so those are some things that I talk about. Those are some things that I unpack uh, in, in this book, uh, To the Edge, Reflections on Kingdom Leadership, Mission, and Innovation. I want to share with you guys a little bit uh, from this book. I want to read, a, read an excerpt from you guys, uh, or read an excerpt to you guys, excuse me, that, uh, that I think may be, uh, may be a, a word of encouragement, a word of excitement to you kind of about this book. And so, so uh, let me go ahead and begin. I'll just share this with you guys. My family and I recently returned from a spring break trip to Washington, D.C. We spent the week riding the rails and buses across the city, seeing the sights that the tourists are supposed to see. My favorite stop was the Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum. I have had an interest in astronomy, astronautics, and aeronautics for some time. This museum is filled with stories of men and women who went to the edge and beyond. I came across this fascinating quote from Charles Lindbergh. Uh, these words reveal his reflections on the global impact of his completion of the first transatlantic nonstop solo flight from New York to Paris in 33 and a half hours. Here's his quote. Lindbergh wrote, I was astonished at the effect my successful landing in France had on the nations of the world. To me, it was like a match lighting a bonfire. As I reflected on this quote, I could not help but think about what he risked to get to the edge of the boundaries of, avi of aviation. And once he took that next step, he changed the world. History has its share of people who move beyond the edge. Ferdinand Magellan was the first person to circumnavigate the globe. His act was motivational, for many sailors followed his example. Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay risked their lives to be the first climbers to scale Mount Everest. After their accomplishment, many climbers would burn with desire to follow in their steps. Across time, multitudes of men and women have been going to the edge of the status quo and one step beyond. Most of them took great risks to make great accomplishments and inspire others to make great accomplishments for humanity. Much of the world is in a better place because of their sacrifices. But many of these accomplishments did not make eternal impacts. We may be able to make temporal gains, but apart from Jesus, we can do nothing, as John 15, 5 states. While many people of this world are willing to make great sacrifices to move in new directions, I am troubled at times when I reflect on how the church often responds to the call to make disciples of all nations. Many of us in the West know very little about sacrifice for the kingdom. We rarely think in terms of how what we do could be used by the Spirit to encourage 
motivate, inspire others to greater kingdom labors, we rarely go to the edge. And that step beyond seldom comes to mind. I don't know where the edge is for you, but I hope you get there soon and take that next step. We have incredible potential as kingdom citizens to advance the gospel among the peoples of this world. The opportunities at home and abroad are numerous. The gospel we have is a message capable of sparking a spontaneous reaction among those who embrace it. It is a message that results in healing and transformation. It tears down strongholds, lifts the broken, and restores that which is damaged beyond human repair. The first century believers were motivated by a message of great news and were led by an indwelling spirit. What they did was encouraging and inspiring. Their kingdom labors served to advance the gospel among those who had never heard it. Paul went to the edge and took the next step. He knew the gospel was the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, according to Romans 1.17. And wow! Those new believers comprising that new church in Thessalonica certainly stepped over the edge. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. So what are we doing today by the Holy Spirit's empowerment to help facilitate the multiplication of disciples, leaders, and churches across the street and across the globe? Are we intentionally and consistently moving to the edge and beyond that the four billion may come to know Him? Or are we staying as far from the edge as possible? Being on the edge means being on the frontiers of kingdom expansion. Going beyond the edge means you are blazing new directions. You are innovating as the Spirit leads. You are seeing things that few people have seen. However, this comes with risk. Peter, Paul, and the other early believers were not immune to persecution from unbelievers. They also experienced conflict within the church as they went to the edge and beyond. And We see that in Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 15. Evangelicals do have a history of going to the edge and beyond. For example, the use of radio, agriculture science, medicine, the Jesus film. But such is not a widespread value among our churches. More spirit-led innovation is needed for gospel advancement and the multiplication of disciples, leaders, and churches. What will we risk to get to the edge and beyond? What will your church risk? What will your network risk? What will your mission agency risk? What will your seminary risk? What will we risk? What will I risk? What will you risk? Guys, thanks so much for uh, listening to the podcast today. Uh, again, the book, To the Edge, Reflections on Kingdom Leadership, Mission, and Innovation, will be out, Lord willing, very soon. Uh, keep an eye uh, on the blog, jdpain.org. Uh, you can uh, track me down on Twitter at jd underscore pain. Uh, I'll be uh, sharing updates there uh, as soon as it is released. Of course, it'll be available through uh, Amazon and other typical online uh, outlets uh, as well. Again, thanks so much, guys, for listening. Take care. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. Payne. You can find J.D. on Facebook or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpayne.org. 
You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.